so grateful that you are at work. Jesus, you said, my father is always at work. He's always drawing people by the spirit to himself. And we ask you now, God, that you would, by your spirit, mercifully, graciously, open our eyes to see the glory of Christ and to find him more desirable and more precious than anything this world can offer, God. Like the pearl of great price, possessing everything the world has, they went and sold it to have Jesus. And so, Father, we're thankful for Christ. We want to exalt him. It is his church, his name that we're trying to glorify this day. We ask that you'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Let's try that again. Come on. Like, like Shelly said, everybody seems a little bit asleep. Welcome, everyone. There we go. All right. All right. Well, this morning we're, uh, as, as Sean had mentioned, we're doing part one of our vision series, talking about the life of our church and where we're going and what we're doing and what God has laid on our hearts uh, for the leadership of the church. You know, this church is led by a plurality of elders, five of us that gather monthly and talk about all the things of the church, and Kevin and myself that are both teaching pastors and here at Risen Life, and, and God has really put a burden on our heart over the last year for discipleship and evangelism, that we would be a church on the move that is reaching people for Christ in this valley. This valley needs us, and there's no more exciting place for us to live than this place as a Christian today. And so God wants this church to be effective in everywhere that we are going. So we're going to talk about how we think God has led us to do that over the next two weeks. Yeah, the church has the message that's the hope of the world. That this world is lost, and you can feel it, right? It's desperate. It's looking. It's groveling for something to satisfy the human heart, and we have the answer. We've got Jesus. He is who is the one who came, and when our hearts have him at the center, our lives are different, and we settle, and we are at peace. And everything we do around here is to seek to make Jesus great and known and loved that people, men, women, children, all the ages are drawn to him. In fact, we have uh, about 40 kids at a youth retreat this weekend. Including one of mine. Yeah, yeah including one of yours. Yeah, check it out. So Yeah, here's some. Yeah. Maybe a little more picture there. It's a great. So great Josh team. and Josh and Cooper and some of our other youth workers are all up there with the junior high and senior high kids up at Big Canyon Ranch with four other churches that they have partnered with throughout the valley. It's been just a really cool thing the way God is using our kids and joining them together to follow Christ. And so we'll be excited to get them back today. Yeah, so we are, we are aiming to make disciples of all people. We've got a men's retreat coming up September 30th, two weekends from now. Yeah, that's going to be a great weekend. So guys, <laughs> sign up if you haven't done that. We're working at Hebrews 12, how to stay consistent and going. We're going to call it momentum, staying at it even though times are crazy around us. And it should be a great time of, of fellowship for the men. Yeah, so like we said, we're, we're going to be doing two vision sermons, and, and if you're new to Risen Life, this might be kind of weird to see two guys on the stage giving a sermon together, but this has been kind of part of our DNA here at the church, and really we want you to see when we do these vision series every fall that this is coming to you from the leadership of the church, and that's why we do these things yeah, together, and yeah. we like to do them together. And we do enjoy this, you know, <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's fun for us, and uh, this dynamic of team leadership is so important to our church, and you can sense that if you spend time with us, that we are always working together as a team. The elders work together as a team. The staff works carefully together as a team, 
And uh, it is a deep calling, we think, a scriptural calling to uh, team together. And so that's what you see going on here. Sometimes people will ask me, well, who's the pastor of this church? <laughs> Pick your favorite. <laughs> we're glad to have you that's follow right. any one of us. So, um, so here we are. Yeah, we're going to talk about church vision. And our vision uh, is driven by four guiding passages here this morning. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, uh, Shelley already shared with us, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so Jesus in his final verses of Matthew 28, in his words Asks us to make disciples of all nations. This is the marching orders of the church. And to therefore reach people for Jesus, draw them toward him, help them come to a place where they make a decision to follow him. And then it says teach them to obey everything, right? How many of you have gotten to that point yet? <laughs> all right, we got some work to do. We got some disciple making to do here because you're not all obeying like you're supposed to yet. And nor is Pastor Kevin. And uh, so God's mercy and grace is upon me daily to keep learning um, and growing. Yeah, so that's the big vision, right? That's the vision that Jesus gave to all believers into his church is to go and make disciples everywhere. And as you'll see, we're trying to do that in a lot of different ways. But in 2 Timothy, Paul also tells us um, that we are to do this through leaders that would be raised up. We are to entrust this message to certain men so that they can teach others. This is what it says. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, and it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So Jesus has commissioned us to take the gospel out, and Paul says this, we do this through a process of discipleship where we're constantly raising up new leaders that can, we can give them the gospel message, and they would take it out. Um, this week I was meeting with someone in our church, and uh, I was really surprised at how serious they are about this task. They were sitting down and they were telling me, they told me about how they're leading their wife, they told me about how they've led their father to the Lord and how they're thinking about how do I get him reading his Bible more. They're talking to his brother about how does this person come to know Jesus. And he's even thinking about his kids. How do I get my kids in the right place so that they come to know Jesus? He has a plan for all of these relationships with God's help that he'd be leading them to the Lord and help raising them up to be disciples. Yeah, and that's our aim for everybody. It's God's call on all of our lives to be disciple makers, actively engaged in the people God has put around us. But let us not kid you. Notice in like the verse that Jared just read, it says it's a soldier, it's an athlete. These are hardworking farmers. There is toil that goes with this. This is not easy, right? This is not a cushy game. Colossians 1.28 says, we proclaim him, warning everyone with all wisdom that we might present Everyone, mature in Christ. That's what we're aiming for. Grow up and become like Jesus. Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works 
within me. So it's a toil. It's a work. Galatians 4.19 says Paul's in the anguish of childbirth. <laughs> it's a suffering that goes with it. And we are to do it, it says, in his energy. There's not one of us that transforms a human heart. It is God that does it. And so we rely on him and we pray and we seek him and we ask the spirit to fill us to go and make disciples. And this truth that we hold dear in this Bible called the gospel is what changes the hearts of people. It's not us, right? It's not our convincing. It's not our sharp, smart words. It's that Jesus came and he died for our sins and he loved us. And when our hearts get a hold of that love and that grace, we are changed from the inside. It electrifies the human heart and makes us alive. And we say, okay, you died for me, Jesus. I give my life to you. I know I'm a sinner. <laughs> I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me. And my life is now yours because of what you did for me. That's the gospel. That's the gospel, yep. So to be the best disciple maker, you have to be a disciple yourself. And that's what real life transformation talks about, that you hear this gospel message about Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And you say, God, I want, you to, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Forgive me for my sins and help me to walk with you. And so we are transformed. And as we experience transformation in all the various aspects of our life, then our heart is then moved to go out and multiply, real life multiplication, that we would teach others what it means to follow Jesus. And these have been our two uh, pieces of our, our mission and our vision over the years, and we like them. Yeah, we do. We think they're pretty good. We like them better today than we used to like That's them. That's like right. They're, we they're growing on us. In even, fact, so. you read them in a book somewhere and said, yeah, I did. that's yeah, already like our... We, we've been reading this. We'll talk about this book, Transforming Disciples, and this guy said there's only two parts, really, to discipleship. It's transformation and multiplication. And we said, well, Amen. we got that like, That's a good out. book. Yeah. We'll read it. Yeah. So... <laughs> he might have stole it from us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where did he get that? So, but we have we've put together a wheel. We've been sharing this with you. It's actually in the back of the worship center. Um, that is our model that we have used uh, to explain to people what a disciple is. What does that look like? As somebody who puts Jesus at the center, that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord of our lives, we give our lives to him and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we are saved. So it starts with making Jesus Lord of our lives as he is truly Lord. And then we're guided by his word into places as his followers, into places of service and prayer and community and evangelism. We've explained those multiple times over the years. We'll continue to do that. Uh, ultimately landing in the outer wheel that we a life that is risen. A risen life is a life of worship that we are to go and, and lay down our lives for him, surrender to him because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, over the next rest of our time this morning and over next week, we're going to be looking at eight metrics that help us kind of diagnose where are we, where are you personally, where are we as a church in doing discipleship well. And we get this from this book, Transforming Discipleship, by Greg Ogden. He actually had seven, but we added a, an eighth one that we felt like he missed. He missed. He missed. He yeah. missed. Yeah. yeah. So these are, we're going to look at the church. Is it optional or essential? Now, we've been singing about the church this morning. You might know our answer to that already. <laughs> We're going to look at being ministers. All of us are ministers. God calls us a kingdom of priests, a holy nation that should be enabled to speak the gospel of Christ to others. Are we doing that passively or proactively? Are we going to be in our Christian life? Will we be casual or disciplined about following Jesus? In our discipleship, will we be private about it? Is it just something for me or is this something that I live out everywhere? And in our culture, are we conformed to the culture or transformed 
by what God is doing in our heart. The Bible, do we know our Bible or do we not know our Bible? Do we know God's Word and what it says? In our witness, are we active in sharing the gospel or are we inactive? And then finally, this is what we added, prayer. Are we active in prayer, asking for God to do things, or are we inactive? We think these are really good metrics to help us decide how are we doing personally in our discipleship and how are we doing as a church. So we want you to think through these as we talk. Yeah, we're going to be very intentional uh, about, like, we are called to make disciples. This is something we deliberately give ourselves to and think about. It's a passion and what God has given us to do. And really, it's not any different than the things of the world in many ways. You know, the world's trying to make disciples out of you, <laughs> aren't they, right? Social media is trying to get you to be followers, right? Yeah. Well, why follow the world? Like, come on, let's be Christ followers. Jared and I were laughing this week. There's this guy called the laundry guy. You ever heard of the laundry guy? Oh, my gosh. If you want to be a disciple of the laundry guy, talk to my wife. So he, but anyway, <laughs> this guy is like he has got all these followers across the world on how to do laundry well. He's no joke. If you can get excited about laundry, you can get excited about Jesus, right? He said, it's pa- he said it's passionate and emotional. He said, yeah, laundry was passionate and emotional and a love language. A love language. Check it out. I, I that said, sounds like I Jesus. Don't, I don't know if he came to my house, of the six people in our house, if he would be passionate or emotional. He might be emotional about the amount of laundry, but not passionate about it. But he's making disciples, and he has laundry camps that you can sign up for, and you can, like, you, like, this is the real deal. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But he's good. Like, we need to be better than him. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we will be, we'll be disciples Jesus of something. Jesus is better than laundry by yeah. a, a whole lot. All right. So, look, at, look we're going to take a couple of these today and then handle the rest of them next week. But, but we want to talk about the church, which is his method of making disciples. Is it optional or is it essential? Uh, and we just sung it, didn't we? Like, uh, Matthew 16, 18. <laughs> You are Peter, Jesus said, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is what Jesus is doing. He's building his church. This is his mechanism for making disciples. Ephesians 2, uh, 20 and 21 says this church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, right? The teachings that has been given to us, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows up in a holy temple to the Lord. And so the aim as we teach God's word is that we would grow and become a holy temple to the Lord. Yeah, and what we see is that this, the, the church, you got to see, this is God's best plan for making disciples. You know, it's been popular over the last 15 years to kind of denigrate the church and say all things about the church. But God loves the church. He loves his bride and he says, this is the way I'm going to make disciples. And in fact, we, we've seen that it's, it's the best way that God is still reaching people. You know, when people are hurting, you know where they turn? They turn to the church. We see it all the time in America. They still come to the church looking to find something to answer their problems. And I know even in my own life, regular church attendance for me has been so important over the course of my life. You know, I like to often talk about it's kind of like driving a car like, when you go to church, sometimes, you know, it can be kind of boring, I know. But I think here it's exciting, right? Mm-hmm. But week to week, it's kind of like those little course adjustments that you do while you're doing down the road so you don't end up in the ditch. Occasionally, you take a big left turn or a right turn when God's speaking to you. But week by week, 
It's just those little things that keep you following Jesus, and it's God's best plan to make you a disciple. Yeah, so we've got to be engaged. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here this morning. You're all here. But we've got to be engaged in the church. He says, don't, let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting the meeting together as some have that habit of, but encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Don't see it as optional. See it as essential because without it, we will drift from God. In fact, as a father now of adults, um, they move away from us, right? Those of, many of you have adult children and they move away. And the key factor then is will they plug into a church? Because if they do, right, if they do, they'll stay walking with Jesus and they'll meet his people and they'll be encouraged. That's why the church is so important. This is, this is why we have made some of the changes we have made this year is to be more strategic about our discipleship, to accomplish our mission better. It's why we've now put together a discipleship hour that we're inviting everybody to be a part of, something for everyone. And many of you have. We're thrilled with the, the attendance. It's been really, really good. It's why we actually have one service so that we can be together to encourage one another and build each other up. The more embers around the fire, the hotter it gets and the, the worship gets more heated and we tend to be hearing a unified message and going together. And so we gather just in one and we ask people to bring their children uh, with you so that they can hear and feel part of the body. You know, children are part of the body. They're part of the church family. How many of you adults are encouraged when you see all the children up here? Right? Encouraged by that? And it's encouraging for the children to see you, mom and dad, and us adults worshiping Jesus and being crazy about him, right? <laughs> that helps them. So when they leave and go, and they will, you want them to, right, they will be worshipers of Jesus. This is why we gather um, as a church family. Now, we've kind of been developing a new metaphor for where we're going. We have been. Yeah, we're pretty excited <laughs> about it. This came from one of our church planners, by the way. We, oh. we had some of them at our retreat, and... They kind of gave us a new idea about how to think about the church. Yeah, yeah. So I got this little, what do you even call this little tubby, tubby? We're really excited here. about this. When adults Kevin's get to dig is, out the Kevin's toy chest, way cooler it gets, than mine. Here, I'll give you a couple of fellas here. You Thank need you. A I need fellas. at least one guy. There, there. You Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're working with this thing. This church planner said, is your church a cruise ship or a warship? Right? Are you guys out there working for Jesus and fighting back the gates of hell? Or are you just there to have a good time and enjoy one another? Right? And so we've been kind of taking this on. We want this place to be a warship. Now, that's a warship from this like 2,000 years line. ago, I think. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we need a slightly newer warship. <laughs> Thank you, Ruby. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a so Viking ship. It's kind of a Viking ship, and they were ruthless, you know. They were they were definitely yeah. a warring team, you yeah. know. So. so Kevin always Kevin always says to us that we, as a staff, we need to have bulldog intensity. Now, I want you to think about that statement for a second. <laughs> How intense is a bulldog? <laughs> Not very much. So Come on, Spike. Like, Spike's a bulldog. Yeah, and he's like, right. Spike is intense. So we're like, is, a, is that like nutmeg intensity? <laughs> like your dog, oh, like, please. snorting and sleeping or... So Max, our junior high minister, made us this this uh, good warship that says USS Bulldog to represent uh, Risen Life here. Yeah. So th this actually, uh, we hope, will stick in our minds a little bit. Like, are you on a warship or are you on a cruise ship? Right? Are you somebody that's engaging in the battle, the toil, soldiering to make disciples? 
Or are you on the cruise ship? Like, you come, but like, what are you going to do for me? What, are the, what, what church has the best amenities, right? Which one can I just kind of kick back and take it easy, enjoy the music and right, the fun? Right? Are you just coasting? Are you in the fight? And we kind of go, it's kind of a toss-up, I think, amongst Christian communities, right? It's kind of 50-50 out there. Maybe amongst us, right? Some of us are just cruising, baby. Like, we don't do much of anything, but we like being in church, and we're just like the amenities here, and like the music. I've got great music, and like the pastors some days anyway. So, um, but this is not our call. Our call is to get off. This is our aim. Get off the freaking cruise ship and get on the battleship, <laughs> right? That's, right? That's what we're trying to do. It's been fun to learn from church planners. We've had a few that we support, and we'll talk about here in a second, that that uh, have been teaching us a lot. You know, these guys are out there, and they have to be on the warship or they won't survive. And not only do they have to be, they want to be on the warship because they see people coming to Jesus. But sometimes when we get a little bigger, got a little history, right, it's easy to sit back and just say, well, I'm just going to sit around and cruise a bit with Jesus. But God's called all of us to be on mission for him. He's called all of us to be disciple makers. And so we want to make sure that we are a church that is doing what Jesus has asked us to do. And we want you to be with us on that, all of us working to make disciples. And Jason Cotton actually said, you know, Battleship really doesn't even exist anymore, he was telling us. So he's like our naval expert. But he said they really do use aircraft carriers. Is that right? Yeah. And so he said you got to talk to the people about being planes that launch off the ship, right? And so that's what we're talking about. Like how are we launching off the ship, and, and one of the ways we're doing it is Iglesia Risen Life. So our Hispanic ministry, uh, Tono and Courtney Rodriguez are leading that. Yeah, we're thankful for them. They've been meeting for a few weeks now. And uh, they are out witnessing and sharing, inviting people to church and, and gathering a group, a core group at the time. And, uh, you know, it's been really exciting to see us get behind them. This church is behind them, and we're with them, right? God loves the nations, and, and we do too. In fact, we had a, a person in our church here recently go, you know, I, I want to support this church going into next year, and gave a, a large sum of money uh, uh, to us to support that ministry. But he said, let's, let's figure out a way to match that. Yeah. And so we have $25,000 given to us as a gift uh, yeah. from somebody, and they said, Let's match it. That's right. So we want you guys to be on the warship with us. Somebody's given 25000 to us to support Iglesia Risen Life over the next year. And so we want to ask you to join us in matching that. And so there's a really easy way to do that. You can make sure you have your, it looks like you got a I name tag here. Looks like you, um, make sure you got your church center app, download it on your phone. You can click on Give. Right, put in the amount that you want to give towards this church plan, and then here's the important part: select the fund, and you select a Glacier Risen Life, and then that money will go towards this church plan to match that this great donation that we have. Yeah, so let's do this, and if we if we match that gift, we'll have them just about fully funded for next year. That plus some of the denominational money that's coming in, well, they'll be fully funded for 2023. Isn't that a great thing? So let's, yeah. I, if we all right, yeah, let's do it. So. So this is a great way to be on mission to help support this new church plant that's going out. You know, we also support a lot of other church plants. We, we have Steve Pearson down at Redemption Hill, and they're going like crazy. They're going so big that they've had to go back to two services. Yeah, yeah. So over 100 people in each service 
doing really good. Brian Catherman up in Redeeming Life, that church is sailing. They're doing so, so great. They've added staff to their church. Now we have Sean Bagley up in New City, which I forget where Sean is. But Sean is in Syracuse. Syracuse, Not yes. Not New York. But yeah, that's right. Syracuse, um, yeah. who we've been supporting. Austin Glenn at King's Cross, who came and gave us a talk to the staff on evangelism just now a week ago about how we could do evangelism well. We are partnering with these guys, and they're teaching us. Yeah, It's been a good thing. And then Phil Weeb out in Lakeview, who came up to our retreat and taught us a lot about evangelism and church planning. So they invite us. We learn from each other. This is discipleship at its best, I think, when we gather and learn from each other and get the best of what God is doing from each other. And so I am actually meeting with uh, Sean Bagley's staff this week on Friday to kind of coach him a little bit on how to do staff life well um, and then also meet with some of these other guys. And then we learn from them. It kind of goes back and forth. So it is really exciting. I'll say one more thing. Yeah, okay. Even with these church plants, I want to encourage you, you should get to know these church planners and find ways to even help them out we have a lot of our people that go out and help them do ministry. And so that's another great way for you to be on the, the worship with us. And statistically, more people come to Jesus through church plants than any other way in America. Yep. And you see it when you see these people launch out with church plants. Many, many people are saved and baptized uh, through those ministries. And we're excited about a, a, a young lady who has uh, been with us for many years, has been gone now for a couple years, but Christina Kurtner, um, she is going to uh, somewhere in Asia, um, <laughs> and uh, she's gathering support. I, I saw this morning she's got 65% of her support raised. We will be supporting her next year, and I know many of you do too. But what, God, this is so exciting. Like, who does this? Who leaves the comfortable cruise life of America and goes to the battleship life of Central Asia? <laughs> right? Well, some do. And yeah. we need to get behind them. And what a great thing. We also have been working with Josh and some of the college kids. And this year, the, the youth group is going to be looking at going to Guatemala in lieu of going to their summer camp. So another way for us to be on the, on the battleship together. And so we're going to invite many of you to come join us and be a part of that to rekindle what we've done in Guatemala that has led to great church partnerships and church plants. Yeah, and then next year, th this is budget season for us. The staff grieves this. But um, we're putting together our budgets for next year, and, and Dave Pelton, you know, he cracks the whip. you got to have him in by September, and so we're working on that. But, but part of our budget next year is three or four new interns. Uh, that'll come and learn and grow with us and see what God is calling them to do. And, and sometimes God uniquely calls these people into ministry, and it's a powerful thing. Like, you are a great church for them to come and cut their teeth and learn how to be a pastor with. You are so good to them and so kind and so thoughtful, and they learn and grow and are inspired. Let's continue to be a church that raises up leaders for the future generation. That is, it is the thrill of my heart to have this, all these 20-somethings, sometimes teenage-somethings, on our staff team learning how how to walk with Jesus and serve him in a church. It is just a blessing. So thank you for being a great church in that way. Yeah, so all these things from our personal evangelism to the, the relationships that God has given us, we should be diligent with those to these more corporate things where we together are helping to fund and send out and raise up people that will be about making disciples here in Salt Lake City and around the world. This is a good thing, and we want you to be a part of it. Make sure you're engaging at all of these different levels. And I think that when we look at all that we're doing as a church and thinking about, you know, Paul says this in Ephesians, that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could think or ask. 
And so we want to ask God for great things. Yeah. Kevin and I have been asking God for so many conversions this year that we'd see so many people come to Jesus and join our church as a result of the d- discipleship mm-hmm. efforts we're making. So let's ask God for great things. And Paul says he can do even more than that if we're yeah. willing. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about just the second uh, metric. Um, and it'll be brief here and then we'll close this morning. But that is that as ministers, is that all of us? Should we all be proactive? Or are some called to minister and others are called to just support them, right? That's the question. I, I want to say this. I think Salt Lake City is the best city in America to be, a past, to be a pastor in, to be a minister in, to be a person in, to be a Christian in. There is nothing like this city with the challenges of sharing the gospel uniquely with those that have uh, untrue views of who God is and those that really make nature their God and, we, and so we just, we just got this whole smattering of all kinds of mix of people, and we get to be Christians in this city. This is the best place to be a Christian, right here. And so we're going to say now the obvious, like all of us are called to minister, because you can get to people none of us can get to. You are around people we are not around. And all of us between, if we all move and mobilize ourselves to be ministers of the gospel, we can have the biggest impact. And churches all over this valley, right? We've joined lots of other sister churches all around this valley that are doing that. And there is a movement of God in this city. I've been here 15 years now, this end of this year. And there is a movement of God in this city that I haven't seen before. And it's great to be here. Yeah, and really this has been the, the vision of the entire Bible from the Old Testament to New is God is creating a people for himself. First uh, Peter 2.9 talks about that we are all called to be priests and ministers, a holy people that are holding forth the truths of God. As we are transformed by God, we teach others what it's like to relate to God. And the church we see in Ephesians 4.11 is called to equip you as the saints to do that job well. Paul said he gave the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, teachers, to equip the saints to build up the body of Christ so that they wouldn't be tossed about by the world, but rather they would help others reach the fullness of Christ in their lives. Yeah, and all of us have been gifted in a unique way to participate in the body. It says 1 Corinthians 12, as Shelley shared with us this morning. All of us have a gift. And you know, when you look at the whole picture of what God's people, the body of Christ does, our roles are all little, little tiny. But let's not see that as insignificant. Every one of us have a tiny little role in the body. And let's be about what that little thing is that God has given us to do. And it makes all the difference in the world, especially for those that you are ministering to. And one thing we have noticed, and, and some of the guests that we've had come in and share with us as a staff, they have noted this too, that when people are searching and when people are struggling, people are going through hard times, still most Americans look for help in the church. They will come here. And there are people here this morning that are here because they're struggling and looking for answers. And guess what? You're sitting next to them. And will you minister? Will you reach out? Will you put your arm around them? Will you pray for them? Will you greet them this morning? Let's see this. When we gather as God's people is our best opportunity all week long to make disciples. Right here, right now, God is doing something. And will you let him use you to love on and serve and encourage somebody this morning? Yeah, so God's call in our life and in our church and in our family, is to be disciple-makers. This is, this is what God wants us to do as believers in Jesus. He saved us, but he saved us for a purpose. In fact, he saved you to save somebody else. 
Because he wants to reach people through you. And so we want to be a church that is about discipleship, that we experience real-life transformation, which would then naturally lead towards real-life multiplication. And everyone has a part. God has gifted you specifically to minister to somebody in this room and somebody that you know. And so God wants you to be with him on the worship, reaching people for Jesus. And Van, you can come on up. You know, God has given us um, the opportunity, even this morning as we listen to him, you know, he wants to say something to us, and he's speaking to us through his word like he always does Sunday by Sunday. But he, he wants you to walk in his blessing. God, God is encouraged when we are blessed by him and then praise him for his blessings. And the greatest blessing that we are given is the chance to lead someone else to Jesus and help them grow in him. And those of us who are parents, we, we teach a, a parenting class on Sunday morning. We just love this team of people that have gathered on Sunday morning back in that corner. If you're looking for a class, we'd love to have you at 9.15. But God has said to us in, in Psalm 103, 17 to 19, he says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to those that keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. He promises us that if we keep his commandments, if we do what we've been called to do, that there will be a passing on of the righteousness to our children and to our children's children. Now, as you get a little older, Sean makes fun of this song a little bit because he goes, it's children's, 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 children. Well, as you get older, you've got children's, 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 children, right? <laughs> and so those take on names, and it matters, right? It does. And I was just with my kids here this last weekend in Los Angeles. I got this little grandchild who's 21 months, and his favorite book on the shelf is the Bible. You know what that does for me? Those kids that we brought to church for all those years, sometimes they didn't like it, right? Decided Jesus was for them. And now they're passing that on to their little kids, their little one. Hoping for kids. But there's nothing like it, right? And he promises that our children will be blessed and their children will be blessed as we walk in obedience to him. He tells us in Psalm 139, 5 and 6, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand of blessing upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. That he goes before us in the task that he's called us to. He comes behind us in the task he's called us to in protecting us. And he lays his hand of blessing on us. He wants us to walk in his blessing. And so what we are calling you to this morning is to walk in the blessing of what God has given you to do. And want us now to think about how Moses spoke on the people. And he said to them, and we say to you, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lies, the Lord lift up his thick countenance upon you and give you peace.